hello. Welcome to Volite School's Community Talk. I'm Sarah Weiss, and I'm here with my two brothers, Matthew and Michael. On our bi-weekly podcast, we discuss the latest news in the school district of Beloit. As always, we begin with our star student or staff member, and then we turn it to an overview of the Board of Education meeting, and then we're going to jump into our discussion topic. Michael, can you kick us off? Yeah, so uh, we've highlighted a couple of folks from the performing arts and the, and the uh, visual arts recently. Uh, today we're switching it over to athletics. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I think last month, there was a the Wisconsin high school football coaches held a combine for uh, football players to try to get some attention from uh Colleges, both uh, local and some more national prospects. Uh, so Beloit uh, was represented by Eric Bridges, uh, and there were seven events. He placed second in two of those seven. Uh, in the 40-yard dash, he posted a time of 4 4 7, uh, which was, uh, put him in second, and he had a vert of 36.9, which was also tied for second. So very much looking forward to seeing Eric on the football field this year. Uh, it's been a struggle for a decade-ish, and, and I'm hoping that uh, there's a little bit more uh, effort put in in the offseason and that uh, we have a, something to, to really be proud of this year. Yeah, I mean, as someone who's never seen a win on Jacobson Field, <laughs> uh, both in my four years and assorted games assorted afterwards, I'd love to see a love to see definitely. a w there definitely yeah or just you know whenever it's just cool to like when we send kids to to college and you know for sports and they do and they do well i mean we've got cam Rugner who is a just a rock star at bradley and i was killing it in the minors for the brewers farm system we had two track stars that are both representing beloit college very well it's uh you know it's just really cool absolutely uh, I'm actually going to jump in now and do the recap of this week's board meeting. Um, so we had some some people in from the community, and we'll be talking a little bit more about that and some of the things that was transpired during that portion of the meeting. But as far as board business, um, there was presentation about the ad hoc committee on the achievement gap and some recommendations that were made there. Um, looks to be really good things happening from that space. Um, in addition to that, they're looking at the new Colac construction. Uh, the updated bid is coming in about $400,000 lower than the prior bid, and they're on track to start construction soon to be completed by next April, May. Uh, so hopefully around uh, this time next year, we'll be looking at some fresh construction there. And then finally, there was a presentation about the literacy program. Uh, it's a zero to three education program. They're teaming up with community organizations and looking to grow this program that gives attention to resources uh, to young learners, knowing that these are people who are going to be in our schools. And if we can get them a good head start on, on that really important piece of literacy that can impact their learning across all, all of the different uh different subject matters. And so those are kind of the things that the board learned about in addition to their other kind of pieces of, of uh, conversation on Tuesday. Okay, sweet. So, so speaking more about those different conversations brought up in the meeting, there, as the Bullet Daily News put it, there was a bombshell set off in the board meeting and 
you know, this was the first time that scrolling through Facebook, I saw shares of, um, of the, the link to see the board, uh, video, um, and, you know, people commenting on it and, um, sharing it and kind of putting in their two cents about it. So, um, today to kind of kick off, kick off our discussion of, of everything that happened at the, at the board meeting, we're going to give our two cents and I will begin because I'm the youngest and I'm the baby. And then we're going to work our way up to, um, the old man here. Okay. Um, just to set the scene a little bit, um, we might refer a lot to uh, Dennis Baskin, who was a former board member who um, spoke in front of the board and had a lot to say. Uh, he made some some very bold claims, and uh, so what you hear is going to be in response to that. Okay. So again, I'll, I'll start us off, um, and this is just kind of our two cents rolling through. So about a month ago, uh, I went to a community forum to help the consultant firm create a profile for the superintendent position. The consultant asked us to talk about what we saw as the greatest strengths of the district and then also its weaknesses. My main takeaway was that the district right now is full of contradictions. And let me be clear, I don't think that that's uncommon of public schools right now. Here, we believe Beloit schools can offer a top-notch education, but Beloit State Report Card is a two-star district with only 11 performing lower in the state. We, as a district mission reads, are strengthened and enriched by diversity. Folks at the panel talked as if this was one of our greatest aspects, but when we look at some of the data, 0% of Beloit Memorial High School African-American males are proficient in math. Suspension rates disproportionately affect students of color, and we just elected someone on our board who allegedly said, we hired too many blacks. And as former board member Dennis Baskin puts it, racism is rampant in the district. Yet he and other leaders share in this mumble jumble of contradictions. He calls for transparency, yet he waits five months to share concerns over HIPAA violations. He calls for professionalism, yet he used Dr. Johnson for political or social gain without notifying him before commenting publicly. And he calls for honesty, yet gives a non-answer to the BDN when asked why he waited so long. Dennis, I agree that Dr. Williams should have been given the right to apply and go through the interview process. I also think it makes the most sense to have him continue his interim until we find our final choice. And although you proved you can act with lack of transparency, professionalism, and honesty, you've also exposed even more that the Board of Education might be doing the same. So that's mine. Michael, whenever you're ready, you can, you can jump on into yours. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Uh... So... In his, uh, his public comment period, uh, Dennis outlines a few issues. Uh, first, I mean, first and foremost, I guess, is probably the HIPAA violation. Um, 
He talks about the consideration of Dr. Williams for the superintendent position or the interim superintendent position. And he talks about administrator hiring practices for the district. Uh, and he really lingers on that last issue. Um, so from the school district's perspective, right, these vacancies come up quickly and they get filled quickly. Um, and I think that there's an argument to be made that that's maybe a, a, a good thing or a bad thing, right? I mean, uh, when there's when positions go unfilled, uh, that means that there's work that is not getting done. So the, the, there is, I think that there is merit to filling these positions quickly. But what Dennis is concerned about is that people, uh, specific, specifically African-American candidates, do not have access to these uh, positions because that these positions are getting filled quickly and they're not being posted and there's not a thorough interview process. Um, and also he brings up points about uh, these positions being awarded to people without the proper certifications. Uh, and I think that, you know, these are, these issues have merit. And my question to Dennis is that, you know, these are, these are policy issues. And he, I mean, as a board member for 36 months, he has some say over the policies of the district. And I don't recall him taking a lot of, of time or effort to really address our hiring practices while he was on the board and say, hey, I think that there, there's an opportunity for racist tendencies or racist operations or racist processes in how we hire for administrators. Can we come together as a district to make sure that this process is equitable? Um, this My second concern is that just kind of the optics of all of this, right? It was... Um, I don't think it portrays the district in the in the best light, and I I'm concerned about you know teachers who are applying to work here in future years. I'm concerned about what type of superintendent candidates we're going to get after this. I'm concerned about how families are going to make decisions about enrollment or opting out of the district after this. Um, I mean, the issues he raised, some of them have merits. It appears some of them do not, but the way in which they were raised, it's uh, you know I I think that. Uh, there may be negative consequences for the district. Um, and my third point is that I, you know, really feel badly or I feel for these, for the board members, you know, compared to, uh, you know, past iterations of the board where we, it seemed like we had some people that were, you know, quote unquote, in it for the glory. Uh, I really feel like this group of, of board members, you know, really cares about the students, cares about Beloit, cares about this district, and are in it for, you know, civic duty and the democratic process and, and the whole nine yards. And to see so many of them confronted in this way was was challenging to to watch. Was, um, you know, I'm I disagree with their their policies. I disagree with their votes. Um, often disagree with their decision making. And, you know, for the record, I, I think President Endress should really be called out on the carpet for, um, you know, the botch job that is this entire search process for a superintendent. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, I really feel like, you know, all seven of them are, are just humans trying to do good things for Beloit. And, uh, you know, to see them, you know, confronted or some might say attacked in such a way, uh, and so publicly, I, I think is was a real shame. Firstborn, least favorite. Yeah, that's up? how it goes. Uh, so, 
As someone who, whose work frequently requires evaluation of student behavior against a code of conduct, I wanted to see how Dennis Baskin's interactions at the last Board of Education meeting hold up against the school district of Beloit's code of conduct, the rules and policies that we hold our students to. As I, after reviewing the events again, I see infractions of bullying, inciting and instigating disruptions, insubordination, threats and intimidation. According to Roman, Roman numeral eight of the code of conduct policies, these are all behaviors of infraction level two and are typically handled by those options listed in Roman numeral 5.a.1. It looks like the consequences for this behavior should be a parent notification, reflection time, a parent-student-teacher conference, or a verbal or written apology. I'll leave it up to Mr. Baskin to decide which of those options he chooses, but I feel strongly that it is important to view his behaviors for what they are. His nine-minute tirade included all of these things, if not more. I am against pers personal and institutional racism just as much as Mr. Baskin is, but his approach for combating it is inappropriate and unproductive. Not to mention, it is modeling a terrible set of behaviors for our children. Let's set a better example, Dennis. Your passion for fighting against this injustice is palpable. Put it to better use. P.S. I'm sure Bill Barth would be more than happy to publish your apology letter. Give Hillary a printed copy the next time you see her. So directly following that one up, I think we got to go into a little bit more clearly about what Dennis said. It was President Andrews and others that played backdoor politics. And when I called them out on it, they had no choice. It's wrong. So Mr. Majid and Pastor Ivy, that's the name of the game. So for those of you who haven't watched a board meeting in a while um, or who need a little bit of a refresher, every board meeting starts uh, with some basic kind of legalistic mumbo jumbo. Uh, that's the technical term for it. <laughs> um, and then they move into an opportunity for members of the community to speak. And so um, at this meeting, particular meeting, there was many members of the community there to speak. Members are asked to start by giving their name and address uh, for, the for the record. And then they're told uh, prior to that they need to address certain things using proper district channels if they're going to be raising certain issues. And they should not be directing anything directly to any board members or other people in the room. Right. And the board makes it very clear that they're, they are not able to act or make decisions about things in this moment because they have to give proper notice of meeting right. and kind of there's policies and procedures where all of these things happen. Um, and so Dennis, by some, some little... Uh, not loophole in the system, but you're able to, as a citizen, uh, pass your three minutes uh, of speaking to other people. So, uh, so Dennis was able to get actually nine minutes to speak, um, during which he talked a little bit about uh, some concerns that he'd been having about the way that Dr. Williams has been treated in this process as far as the search for the superintendent role. Uh, he does some direct call-outs to Hillary Gavin or Gavan. I'm not sure how to say Gavin, last name. Gavin uh, who is the beat reporter for the school district of Beloit and school board, uh, who's there present in the meeting. Uh, and so he kind of talks through some of these pieces. He's got some concerns really about just like saying, quote, racism is rampant throughout the district. And 
in the course of that, he calls out some some specific administrators who uh, receive the received roles in the district through various means, and yet uh, he's calling out specific other members who uh, are black who who had to go through a much harder process. And if, if I can jump in on that, um, you know, this is something that that frustrated that frustrated me when you know I was re- reacting to to what Dennis had to say because you know for for a lot of it I really did agree or I was on board with him and I, I wanted to see more of the evidence and one thing that he had you know to bring up was this list of white administrators and how it was fine that you know they had no interview to receive this administrative position but then as soon as uh, Miss Banks Wilson who happens to be a black employee um, gets kind of uh, uh, tapped to to fill an administrator role. Um, she's given a, a really hard time about it, and um, especially by board member Pam Charles, who he calls a white dropout in the middle of his um, nine minutes. And the thing that got me was, you know, again, like, I want to be there on board with you, Dennis. I, I hear what you say. I agree with it. But to bring up this list of you know, Carol Campbell, certif- she was certified when she she had a principal certification at the time that she got tapped to fill this role. And, you know, four other people of the seven that he named, at least, that I know of, had their certification at the time that they were tapped to fill administrator role. And for Miss Banks-Wilson, you know, the board had to request an emergency license, and so she was presumably enrolled in a program to get her principal sh- uh, certification. But, you know, to to bring up this false equivalency and it's just really frustrating to me as someone who, you know, wants to be supportive of what Dennis is saying, but yet, like, I can't buy into this argument that he brought up. And these are things he's going to have known, presumably because at the time he was on the board, and so he knows how this stuff was right. kind of going on. Um, all this kind of leads up to this to this moment uh, where, after what I will define as some grandstanding and some uh, like shiny ball, like look at this, look at this, look at this, um, he he drops his bombshell, quote unquote, of. Um, President Endress having committed some sort of HIPAA violation uh, f- during her work at the Beloit Health System as it relates to uh, information about Dr. Tom Johnson's health at the time. Um, for those that don't know, I'm going to kind of give a brief primer because I think I'm the only one of us who's HIPAA trained at this point yes. in time. Um, that HIPAA is a, is a law that protects your privacy as it relates to your medical records. So your doctor's office can't release records to anyone unless you specifically say so. Um, but also it's important to know too that uh, a record that you have in your electronic records, there's gonna be a record of people who look at that, right? So like when Beloit Health System said they looked into the matter, 
there's going to be a way for them to double check to see that who accessed. who accessed it and they can double check that and track those people down and say did you have a legitimate reason to be looking at that or needing to look at that and if they didn't then they can be doing and solving with some kind of internal process and having kind of previously worked for a brief moment in the medical field I can tell you that I'm sure there was a process uh, by which they would handle that kind of situation uh, and so it all kind of leads into this moment of um, there's a kind of final confrontation where uh, President Endress asks Mr. Baskin to please sit down or to uh, you know stop talking and that what he's doing is kind of not within the realm of, of respectable and allowed and appropriate behavior. Um, he does actually end up deciding to sit down and ending his his speech, uh, but that's not before there's some applause from the crowd of of other people who were there, kind of listening to all of this go down. Um, there's a lot there. There's a lot there to kind of unpack. So, Michael, I'm curious to see what kind of your your thoughts are on some of these these moments. You know, so it seems like. Uh... Dennis certainly has some grievances, some seemingly more legitimate than others that he wanted to air. And, you know, I, I, I guess from his his perspective that he felt that airing those grievances while on the board would have been, you know, unprofessional or, uh, you know, he, he had signed something saying he wouldn't you know, make these statements while, you know, sitting in that capacity or, or I don't, I don't know the, you know, the, the full story behind it. Um, and I mean, and clearly he even references, you know, trying to do some, you know, some of this work, some of this policy making, some of the strategy building, uh, you know, via email, you know, kind of not in the public setting. Hey, I mean, he talks about emails with, you know, other board members and, and trying to get some things through. Um, so, I don't know. I, I guess uh, I'm confused as to why the, why the delay. I mean, w w why not? Cause, I, because I, this alleged HIPAA violation occurred in November. I yeah, I mean, not, not just that, but uh, and kind of on everything, right? Like, I feel like people fight to convince. I, I think part of you know the broader democratic democratic process is that you you know, fight to have your voice heard and you convince people that you're the candidate that's going to, that understands these issues and is going to finally be given the opportunity to make the policy decisions. And Dennis did that three years ago and he won and he was on the board and he was in the, in the, he was in a position of power to really impact change. And, you know, I don't know if he made, I don't know if this is him having kind of like, remorse over not running again or you know kind of yeah i i'm unsure of the uh you, you know kind of where this is all coming from and why the delay and why didn't you just you know why didn't you stay on the board if you were you know had this much to say or, or why didn't you uh you know use your time on the board you know more you know efficiently more effectively uh, more strategically, more tactically to get policies through that you wanted implemented. It just, right. I did, and I think that's, I had originally written this down in one of, one of my other, my previous editorials. Um, but it seems, and it feels like as a third party observer to a lot of this stuff, um, that he is doing this, it reads like an ax that he needs to grind. 
for some reason. And I don't quite understand the why or how uh, that's happening, but that's the way it reads to me. Um, how that might how that might read to another person with different life experiences or or just different um, approaches to things. I'm open to that. I and I own that. That's the way I I read it. Um, but it 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 comes across as really um, unproductive and almost mean and well, not not me, what he's trying to do. It, as far as you know, being unproductive, that may be true because. You know he he doesn't have the the clout of being on the board and then the opportunity to work through those channels but you know as far as the timing it seems like this superintendent process search process and um the the, the so-called you know snubbing of dr williams in his current position in my eyes i i, I kind of saw that as you know starting it, igniting Dennis's, uh, you know, tirade about other things and being like, okay, like, look, this is what I really want to talk about, about how this man was, you know, got overlooked, how this man didn't get, he didn't get taken, like, the time of day by the board for this position, and here are all these other reasons to support that this is happening now, too. Yeah, and I mean, so I, I think all three of us kind of had, you know take issue with you know some of the things Dennis said and certainly how he said them, right? But I, I don't think any of us are in disagreement that this process, I mean, regarding Dr. Williams and how he was treated through kind of the the nuts and bolts of this search, I, I think all of us would agree that he's absolutely getting the short end of the stick here. Thoroughly. Yeah. And he's the one sitting up at the board meetings right next to President Endress, quiet as a mouse because that's the anything. professional and, you know, he can't, yeah, he can't say anything at the time. I think I think the other th- piece to this, um, and I, one of the things that I think that he brings up very well is this idea still that we're still, and Sarah talked about this in her and her piece, we're still just kind of a mess. And I feel like this, um, here we are again with Beloit's racial identity politics causing even more of a ruckus and more of a concern. And I, and I get that when I say that and the terms I use, that's all coming from me as a white guy. I get mm-hmm. that. Um, and so I'm not saying that to be a negative thing, but it's a this constant albatross like we cannot figure out how to negotiate being a place that is so racially and ethnically diverse and yet acting like we care about everyone in our community and i think it's it's such a it's such a problem and yet we have no real good solutions and you know this kyle larson quote from that dennis brings up that we hired too many blacks um, you know, that's something that we knew during the election right. was a thing, right? Like, that's not a new quote. We knew that it happened. It happened in a very public space that he said that. Um, you know, and then we turn around and we elect Kyle. And then we elect David Wilson. Right. And this, <laughs> I don't want to, like, like, rehash this right. election piece knowing but, that but I'm they sitting were, next to a candidate. <laughs> they were clearly the, on the, the two ends of the spectrum. So 
And so here we are again, yeah. right? And I think some, in some ways this is maybe a microcosm of a national political movement. I don't really want to unpack all that. <laughs> we don't like have time. I, I, we don't have time for that. But I feel like that might be also true. And Beloit is acting as a microcosm of what's going on nationally in terms of our politics, too. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think... Sorry, sorry. I, I have a thought that I really want to get out there. Sorry. Go for it. Go for it. I, mean, I think what Dennis is really... I, I think another underlying thing that Dennis is trying to get at, right, is one... You know, we're doing a disservice to our, you know, black teachers and black administrators and that they are being unfairly treated. The other thing that I think Dennis doesn't point blank say, but I think is worth kind of unpacking is the reason that you want black administrators and black teachers is because we are doing a very poor job of serving black students right now. And if you want, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for having someone in front of you that looks like you, uh, to be a to be a source of inspiration, to be a, a, a you know a, to set a good example, to be a role model. All of those things are so important. And I mean, I th- I think Dennis's real point is I want someone, I want people in these positions that are gonna that are going to say, hey, like we need to change our approach and how we, you know how we cater to certain subsets of our of our student population. And we need to do better jobs of getting better policies in place to make sure that all students are are getting, you know, not just subpar education or or passable, you know, you know, education, but but great education. Right. And that's an urgent that's you know, that's an important, necessary thing. And so for me, even though these were some dramatics from Dennis. I mean, they were kind of, they fit right in. They're well-deserved. Like people should be as passionate as Dennis about some of these topics. Um, But the fact that he is this, um, you know, powerhouse in the community, I guess I'll say, you know, it's interesting that, that he's the one to speak up in this way because he does have more to lose than the average person in the district. But I do want to say, you know, these matters that that you brought up, Michael, like the dramatics are warranted. And um, sometimes, you know, you need to be the disruptor in order to get that change happening. And, you know, if, if Dennis starts up, like, props to him and and all that. But it's kind of a curious, you know, back and forth there. It's curious because I, I just, going back to one of my things Michael mentioned, too, you're talking about he was on the board for 36 months. Like, and I get that there's, there's times where you got to, you know, go with the flow and support the team and on and on and on. But... Um, Right now, he's still not supporting the team. You know, like he could be going back. Like he could have been a disruptor on the board too. And if he can't, and it couldn't have been, and he has a legitimate reason for that, like I would love to know why. So Dennis, like if you for somehow are listening to this, (laughs) and there's there's something that would be my one question for you really is if if you felt like you couldn't be the disruptor on the board, why why not, and why now, right? Like I I so it just the timing of everything seems to be really curious to me. All right, we got final thoughts, or we're, we're running long. I think we're just going to have to accept that we're going to run long on this. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, well, I did want to bring up one more final point, and it might get a little bit 
too out there, but when we're talking about, um, you know, finding representatives that, that look like our students and, you know, our, our diverse population and wanting to to be aware of that, but yet we're not always making those decisions properly, it seems. You know, I just kind of want to bring up this idea that our th- our three finalists for the superintendent, um, one all males, um, one was a black man, a Hispanic man, and then a white man. And for me... Where are the ladies at? <laughs> I, that's not even that. It's not even that. At that moment, it wasn't even about... Oh, you know, really no woman in the list of 32 that you had? It wasn't even that. It was, you know, I just felt like the board wanted to be like, we got a solid black candidate. We got a solid Hispanic candidate. So no matter who they went to, who they chose, it just, and this is just kind of how it played to me. Again, if you have, if you get it played differently to you, you know, that's, that's, I'll hear that. But it was just kind of like, you know, check. Did we get a good candidate who represented this community? Check. And so I just kind of want to see, did, did how did it play for you guys? Am I, am I, am I expecting I, some suspects? No, <laughs> okay. I mean, I saw the list of three and I went, hmm, that's unshocking. Like I was, the fact that I was unshocked with any of the three candidates should probably be an indicator that it, it did appear that they were trying to to uh, appease different yeah, communities please. to make sure that uh, they could have said, well, we did have one of those, but your yours wasn't the guy. Right. Like, maybe next time. Um, maybe know? I'm assuming the worst, Michael. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so my issue with the, with the slate of finalists wasn't, you know, it wasn't at all their, their racial backgrounds. It, it was... I, there's no one of these three that has really like. If you look at the resumes, no one has really looked at a ha, has been in charge of a low performing school or a low performing district has really implemented solid changes and has turned that school or district around. And that is the type of person we need for Beloit. We want someone with a vision that to do this and that has some experience doing it in the past. So, are you glad that we're starting the search over? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I guess, so on the one hand, yes, because I don't think that we got our person in this round. Uh, on the one hand, it's troublesome, right? Because it's going to be another year of status quo performance for Beloit students. And, you know, it feels like we are letting the clock tick and other districts are making strides and we are not. And I don't know how we sit by the sideline and say that that's a good thing. Like, yeah, well, we'll get it next year. Like, it's upsetting. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think the the final thing is echoing um, some of your, your thoughts, Michael, at the very beginning. I think... Somebody on the board needs to step up and and publicly, you know, admit that that something was botched and and I don't think that they've done that to my standard yet. Um, but uh, moving forward, somebody definitely needs to step up and um, you know be accountable to the community for that. 
I don't know. And I guess the other thing is, you know, it's not, we're never going to get the perfect candidate, right? Like, we're going to get the best available. And, I mean, I think it takes a lot of effort from the community and a lot of effort from the existing staff of the district to really take that best available and then say, and here's how we can make you perfect. You know, here's how we can make the best out of what you bring to the table to really, you know, do right by our kids. And I think we need to be realistic about that, right? Like there is no, you know, I don't know. There's no silver bullet out there. There's no, there's no perfect model superintendent candidate. You know, we, we really have to, I guess, be realistic and, and then be upfront with, you know, whoever we hire down the road and say, this is, this is what we view as your strengths. Here are the things that we really think that we can offer to you and help you grow. Yeah, I think I don't think this is. A, I totally agree. I think that as long as this continues, and as long as um, our district continues to be the way it is, and as long as con- Beloit continues to be where it is in terms of its um, its population, in terms of its social, its socioeconomic situation, and in terms of the way that it funds and looks at education, um, we're going to only continue to attract this certain kind of applicant, and that has to be okay. And if we are serious about changing that, then we need to change how we approach things in our community. But I'm open to hearing leadership from the board on how that can be changed. Um, and I hope that I really do. I hear Sarah's point, too. I really hope someone kind of takes some ownership of of what this process has been and starts to identify what it's going to look like moving forward to make sure that voices are heard across the table and across the city. Okay, so we will be listening, we'll be watching, um, and we'll be reacting to to more board and district news as it happens. Um, but we are Beloit Schools Community Talk. Um, please hit us up on Facebook. We'd love to have and hear your reactions to what's been going on in our community. Um, or you can email us at BeloitSchoolsCommunityTalk at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Make sure guys. to hit subscribe. Hit subscribe, hit subscribe wherever you're getting us.